0: Ordinarily, i have be then getting up and going, "Good morning, how is everybody?" And that's already done. Uh, so we are in one John, uh, living and loving, and uh, we've got to a little passage. That the title of the of the talk was given, uh, "Living as children of God." Uh, I would I would uh, give that a subtitle really, which is, "Here I am, stuck in the middle with you," uh, and I'll explain why that well you you it become obvious why i've given it that title as well. Uh, before we get to the passage itself on what day was it Lord, uh, colleen that we that we we had a movie night this week and uh, we, did, we had two things that have happened this week somebody um has helped us in terms of looking after the girls, and we were able to go out for dinner, just the two of us, and that's not happened in over a year. So that was very exciting. Another really exciting thing happened is we watched a movie, and we never have time to watch a movie. Uh, So it did take over two nights, yeah, but we watched uh, and we started the Bourne series. Uh, I don't know if you know the Bourne series. Jason Bourne, the Bourne Identity Supremacy Ultimatum, and Jason Bourne, and there was a strange one in the middle. Born legacy that wasn 't really anyway, uh, so I, I, one day one of my favorite movie series, uh, and I just remembered back to a, a snow day that we had. who remembers the winter of two thousand and nine into ten super super cold winter, and we had I, I used to drive to Basingstoke to work and every day uh, for over three months. I drove through snow fields. There was just nothing but white all the way uh, from the, be- the middle of December right the way through to the, the middle of March. Uh, snow. And uh, there's this one particular day in the January of 2010 when we'd had, oh, about 30 centimetres of snow. And uh, we'd had a call from the office saying, don't even attempt to come in today. It's a snow day. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Not annual leave, it's just a snow day. You're off. And uh, so I was in my little flat, thick snow everywhere, couldn't go anywhere. And so I made a cappuccino and I watched The Bourne Identity. And then when that had finished, I thought, I'm going to have another cappuccino. Another cappuccino, I thought, I'm going to watch The Bourne Supremacy. So I watched The Bourne Supremacy and then, uh, and then I thought, well, I'm going to have some lunch and then I'm going to watch The Bourne Ultimatum and, and watched all three in one day. Now, I very rarely would watch three movies in one day. And by the end of it, I actually felt like I was part of the CIA. You know, <laughs> like, I was, I was ready. I was like, I, was, I know the number of every registration of every car in the car park. Like, I'm super switched on here. You know, I'm high alert, like, <laughs> ready to take on the world. Um, what we do, what we spend our time doing, what we absorb ourselves in, shapes the way that we think, and the way that we live. And the way that we think shapes the way that we behave, and it shapes, in many ways, our destiny and our future. We also become like the people we live with, the people that you spend all your time with. You begin to develop similar characteristics. Lottie and Rebecca they have some of our characteristics and you might like to think that some of that's just genetic, but some of it is unfortunately learned behavior. Some of it's good learned behavior. Some of it perhaps is behavior that we'd prepare, prefer them not to have learned from us. But anyway, it is what it is. We become like the people we spend time with and we become like what we worship and what we spend our time doing. That's what shapes who we are so we'll come back to that in a few minutes let's read the passage 1 John 3 starting I'm actually going to start at verse 28 of chapter 2 because it's just the same paragraph it says and now dear children remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. God, I just pray that you would help me in helping us to unpack this passage it speaks of your incredible, lavish, outrageous love. And it speaks of how we can live our lives before you. And I pray that you would help us to really hear from you today. And I also thank you that you are no respecter of persons. You love us all the same and you love... English people as much as you love Spanish people, but we pray for our women right now in Sydney that you would help them and get us winning in Jesus' name. If anybody shouts out yes or hallelujah halfway through the sermon, I'll take it as something that you you enjoyed something that I said. It could, of course, be that you've noticed the score or something, but that's entirely up to you. Um, I want us to think... be. uh, with this passage in mind, I want to lay a foundation of understanding, really, that there are three stages of salvation. So the work of salvation is God coming and transforming our lives into his likeness. The, the, the work of the cross, the work of being brought into reconciliation, being brought into God's family. Salvation, I think, comes in three Stages, the, the, the stage one is something that we call justification. And this is, it's a theological word, but it basically means, means being made right with God because of the cross. So his righteousness is, is co- covers our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross. If you look at 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says anyone who's in Christ is is a new person. The old person has gone and a new person has has come into being. So when we say yes to Jesus, that justification takes place where we become right before God, not because of our righteousness and because of our good works. We've not earned it. We become right before God because of what Jesus has done. So that's justification. The second part of, sancti- of, of, of this work of salvation is something that we call sanctification. And that is the process of becoming more like Jesus, increasingly. And there's a beautiful passage, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18, which talks about us as we gaze upon him and as we pursue him, as we worship him, as we allow his spirit to be at work in our lives, we are transformed increasingly into his likeness. The process of becoming more like Jesus. So there's justification, the moment we said yes to him, sanctification, our lives after that in the process of becoming more like him. And then the third is something that John refers to here, and that is transformation. And that is the instantaneous, glorious transformation that will take place when we see him face to face. And John lays out here Something, it's a really core and key um, pivotal verse, which we'll, we'll speak on in a minute. And laying out the, that sense of anticipation of what it's going to be like when we see him. What it's going to happen, what, what's going to happen in our lives, what's going to happen in our hearts. What are we going to be like when we see him face to face? So this is the one who said, light be and light was. The one who, you know, is just as much here as he is at the far end of the furthest galaxy in the universe. He's, he's massive and supreme and glorious and all-powerful. And yet became a baby to live a life that was sinless and to lay his life down for you and for me on the cross. The saviour, the all-powerful one, the humble one, the servant king. What is going to happen when we see him, the glorious one, face to face? Instantaneous transformation. And 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52 talks about that. It says, in the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed as we see him. Something incredible is going to happen. And John is laying out here that anticipation of eternity. Parallel, really, to this concept of justification, sanctification, and transformation, so the coming of Jesus into our lives, the process in between, and then the moment when we see him face to face, it kind of reflects the coming of Christ into the world where he introduces the kingdom. And then, thirdly, when Jesus comes again, to fully establish his kingdom. And then number two is the bit in the middle, which sometimes we refer to as the now and the not yet. The kingdom of God has come. The spirit of God is available. The power of God is available. Miracles happen. God is doing his thing, but it's not fully here. God's kingdom is not fully established. God's will is not always fully carried out. In the earth, because there's the work of sin and death and the work of the devil, as John puts it, as refer, refers to him. The now and the not yet. And we are the ones who are stuck here in the middle. And John is referring to that stuck in the middleness in this passage. Okay? We are here living with our feet on the ground here on earth where there's all the mess. There's the stuff of the kingdom of darkness. And yet we are citizens of heaven. If we've said yes to Jesus, if he's living within us by his Holy Spirit, if we have had that process of that moment of justification being made with, right with God because of the cross, and that process of sanctification is taking place in our lives where we're becoming more like him through the work of his Spirit, then we can be sure that we will experience that moment of transformation because we will see him face to face because we are citizens of heaven. Booyah. Was that a goal or was that, are you excited about that? Yeah, yeah. Come on then. So I want us to just spend a few minutes reflecting on the reality of what it means to be in this in the middle place where Our future is transformation and being in the presence of God for eternity. Our past is slopping around in the dredgery of sin and the sinful nature and all that this world has got to offer. And here we are in the middle where we're living as citizens of heaven. And we have to come face to face with the reality of John 10, 10, where Jesus said, The thief, is referring to the devil, the enemy, Satan... The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. And we are in the reality where we have access to both of those kingdoms. We have access to the lavish love of God, life-giving hope, freedom, Uh, indescribable glory of the presence of God, the amazing, like uh, I mean, he uses the word lavish in this passage in some translations, the lavish love of God being poured out upon us. We have access to that. But we also have access to our sinful nature, to the things of this world, the gratification of our flesh and our sinful nature. The stuff that we used to do before we knew Jesus. The kingdom of darkness. And... I'm going to come to that in a minute. I was about to go on to something I'm going to come to in a few minutes. So we've got that. And we've got that. And John is wanting to to captivate the imagination of his readers. Us. Us about the anticipation of eternity. Let's just read those couple of verses again. See how very much our father loves us for he causes his children and that is what we are. People who don't belong to, uh, who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, We are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. John's invitation in this passage... is to imagine, to begin to anticipate, to get lost in the reality of who God is, of how glorious it's going to be in his presence, of how holy he is, of how much it's going to transform our lives when we see him face to face. But he's inviting us to allow that anticipation and that expectation of what is to come to impact our here and now. So he's not saying, that's going to be then. Now, doesn't matter. Just keep doing what you're always doing. Live how you always lived. You know. Just trudge around in the mud of your past. All of that rubbish, just keep doing it. Because as soon as you see him, you're going to be transformed into his likeness. It's like, no, no. The anticipation is, the expectation is, we're going to see him face to face. We're going to spend eternity in his presence. We're going to be transformed into his likeness. It's going to be glorious and amazing. And why not accept the fact that that is not just for then, but we can begin to live in the reality of that now. Here and now, we can begin to see that, that the glory of God displayed in our lives. Now, we can begin to be transformed into his likeness. Now, justification is what God does. The transformation when we see him face to face is what God does. Sanctification is what God does, but it depends upon our willingness to allow him to do it here and now in our day to day. The things that we spend our time doing, the things that we read, the things that we watch, the things that we, that we devote ourselves to, that is what we will grow into being like. Jesus invites us in John 15, so the book of John, same writer as the book of 1 John, and uh, these are Jesus' words, and it's John 15, part of that great upper room discourse, and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So can you see the imagery you're talking about Vines and grapevines, but he's saying, you are part of that that vine. You get your life from me. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful Unless you remain in me, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at the parallel between that and the verse just before, but at the beginning of the passage, and now dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns you will not you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. John's reminding us in this epistle of what Jesus said in John 15, remain in him. Let your life source be Jesus. Let your attention be on Jesus. Let the time that you spend in this life, you know, there are a lot of things that we could live for. And John draws quite an extreme picture, doesn't he, in, in, in the passage we just read. You're either living for God or you're living for Satan. It sounds quite, it's quite a caricature, isn't it? And there's quite a bit of that in 1 John where he uses hyperbole, he exaggerates the situation to really get us to, to, to understand what's going on here. There are two kingdoms and how we live helps to establish either one of them. Does that make sense? Are we going to spend our lives slopping around in the mud of our past and our sinful nature? Or are we going to spend our lives pursuing righteousness? Pursuing him. Wanting to be like him. And you know, for the rest of our lives, we could pursue him And press into him, read the Bible for hours every day, worship him for hours every day, experience glory upon glory upon glory upon glory. And I tell you, we won't even be beginning to scratch the surface of how amazing he is. And that's the invitation that's thrown out before us. And yet there's also the warning that actually we could spend the rest of our life pursuing the things of our sinful nature. And I have experienced doing that. I'm sure we all have. And I'm sure we all know people who have gone to extremes of pursuing the sinful nature. Just watched the news this week. Some horrific stuff. You think, how evil is it possible for somebody to be? How how could somebody do that? How could people behave like that? Well, you know what? You could spend a lifetime pursuing evil and living out evil and you still wouldn't be able to scratch the surface of how vile Satan and the kingdom of darkness is. So let's spend our lives pursuing the kingdom of God. Spend our lives pursuing his presence and worshipping him and allowing his word to just seek, uh, to, to seep into our hearts and our minds so that we become more like him. We spend the time, you know, you might think, well, it's just a tax return, it's only a white lie or it's just a bit of you know, watching something that I shouldn't really watch for a few minutes, but it's fine. Bit of bit of just dabbling a bit here and there. Scratching on the surface of the wrong kingdom. And John's like, why would you do that? You're a child of God. You have been justified. You've been made right with Christ because of the cross. You've been invited to abide in him, to remain in him, to allow his life and his spirit and his truth to seep into the depths of your heart and to bring transformation, to bring new life, to change the way that you think and the way that you view the world? Why would you mess around with that rubbish when you can pursue him? So let's become absorbed in him so that we become more and more like him. I like to use the phrase sometimes, let's have our head in the clouds and our feet on the ground. I don't know if you ever heard the phrase, it's somebody's too heavenly minded for any earthly good. I don't think it's possible to be too heavenly minded. John has invited us here to be heavenly minded to view the world and what's going on around us through the viewpoint that that eternity is coming. That we are going to see him face to face. That that matters more than any temporal pleasure or anything that we could achieve in this life. Being with him and worshipping him and following after him and living for the good and for the growth and the extension of his kingdom is what matters more than anything else. And Jesus invites us to pray, doesn't he, in the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. That anticipation of what is to come, that expectation of amazing glory as we see God face to face, it's not just something that we can hope for and anticipate in the future. It is something that our lives can actually facilitate the bringing into the here and now. Jesus said, Let your kingdom come, should be on our lips as a prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let what is in, there in heaven, let the glory, let the righteousness, let the lavish love of God. Let that be displayed in the here and now. Let our lives reflect the principles, the power, the rule and reign of God's kingdom here and now in 2023 in our lives in Newbury and Thatcham. And, you know, John had, um, in this little passage, it's quite, I don't know what you would, I wouldn't maybe use the word hairy fairy. It's quite blue sky. It's quite, Um, not nebulous, but it's all very sweeping statements. And there's a passage I'd like to finish with that's a very similar passage to the one that we've read today about living the new life in Christ. But it gives a little bit more definition and explains a little bit more what it looks like in living this new life in Christ. So I'm just going to read that passage and then we'll pray. It's Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17. It says, it's Paul speaking, and he says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilised, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves With tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I want to pray. God, I want to thank you because of the reality that we have been brought into your kingdom. I thank you for the power of the cross that speaks justification over our lives. It means that we are made righteous. We are made holy before you because of the cross. I thank you, Lord, for the day that we will see you face to face and we will be transformed into your likeness and we will be in your glorious presence for eternity. We look forward to that with anticipation, with expectation. And I pray, Lord, that that bit in the middle where we're stuck here on earth, where the stuff of this world is around us everywhere, where our sinful nature is so readily accessible, I pray, Father, that you would help us to keep our attention and our focus on you. That we'd hear that invitation of Jesus to remain in you, to look to you, to expect your kingdom, your life, your power, your love, your reality to be poured out over our lives and through our lives. We want to be people like Paul was saying there to, that live as representatives of the Lord Jesus. Help us, God, in our choices, in the, the things that we do with our time, the things that we do with our money. All of it, God, I pray that it would be for the advancement, for the growth, for the extension of your kingdom. That we wouldn't just view our, our relationship with you as a ticket to heaven, but, God, that we would view our walk with you as a bringing heaven to earth, the reality of who you are, your rule, your reign, your your establishing your kingdom here, in and around our lives, Lord, we pray like Jesus commanded us to pray: Let your kingdom come, and let your will be done in our lives, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve.